So I am utterly convinced that God really is doing something amazing in our church. I, I, I just, I just am convinced God is moving. And it's just, for me as a pastor, it's a, it's very wonderful. And it's scary at the same time. I don't know how you feel about it. It's, 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 it's like that time when, I, for my 40th birthday, Colleen gave me a parachute jump. I was sitting in that airplane absolutely terrified. I thought I could hold on to the seat next to me. But I still wanted to jump so badly. I don't know if you've seen the things I've seen in our church that absolutely convince me God is working. The worship. Have you noticed how it's changed? Have you noticed how the congregation is singing much louder than we used to? Genuinely, the other day I was having a conversation with somebody in our church, and I said that to them, and they said... You know what? We thought that you had purposely turned down the volume from the stage. That's what we thought was happening. And it's not. That's not what's happening. For some reason, we're singing louder than we used to. I don't know if you've noticed how the preaching has... We're feeling it on the preaching team. We just feel that that God has done something in the lives of our preachers. It's exciting. Have you noticed the responses? It's not only Sean that's hallelujahing these days. I mean, I mean, have you noticed that? I mean, on, on, on Easter weekend, we baptized 21 people. We had 27 folk give their lives to the Lord over the... I mean, it's, God must be doing something. I mean, all this clapping. I know that Rich got an exceptional one. But just it, 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 the other day, some, some of you guys clapped after I preached. I'm like, whoa, that hasn't happened to me before. Something without a doubt is happening. And when God moves, there are both wonderful and hard things that happen. Because there's other things that are happening. We're experiencing staff movements in the church at the moment. And and that's always hard when when people that you've worked with and you love are are changing and maybe moving out. and, 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 And it's not only staff. We've noticed some people that we're here for a long time are, are moving, and we don't like that. But we've also noticed that new people are moving in, and we love that. The makeup of our congregation is changing. There is no doubt in my mind that God is moving. It's funny how that whenever God moves, there are those two things that happen. Joy and fear. I mean, you read it in the Bible all the time. God arrives to tell somebody he's going to do something through them or with them or in them. And what else? So often his opening line, fear not. Because he knows that's what happens to us as humans. Why? Why is it that we respond to the God who we love, who we want to serve with our whole lives, who we've said, Lord, change me, change us. And then when he starts doing something, we go, whoa, why? Well, I think there are a number of reasons. And, and I think 
Number one, when God moves, change always happens. And all of us are afraid of change. When God does something new, by definition, when God does something new, it's new. And so change happens. And I think as human beings, one of our number one fears is change. The second thing is that when God acts, he often acts in in new and unexpected ways. And we don't like surprises. The Bible talks about the fact that old, that new wine can't go into old wineskins. And so, so these things that God begins to do are often unexpected. We see that right through the history of Scripture. That God's next step for his people is always like, we, that's not where we thought we were going. No, says God, you're going there. I think we get afraid because God often asks us to let go of long-held securities. Things that we have held on to. I don't know if you noticed Zippy come to me in front here when we were singing Great Is Thy Faithfulness. He came to remind me that that was one of my mom's favorite hymns. And, and we hold on, don't we, to, I mean, that's great, and I don't want to let that go, but, but, but the things that were always secure for us, good grief, the Israelites beg Moses to take them back to Egypt. Why? Because, because at least they were secure there, you know. They weren't walking around the desert. But, but God asks us to let go of long-held securities. And I think the fourth reason we're afraid is that God's plan doesn't exempt us from pain and suffering. You know, we wish that whatever God did next would be moonshine and roses. But it's not. Jesus tells us again and again and again and again that you must take up your cross and follow me, that you must deny yourself. And so God's movement almost always involves pain and suffering, and none of us like that. And, and that's why I believe we get afraid. As I was researching, I, I discovered some Tim Keller sermons, and, and I want to encourage you to listen to Tim Keller's series on fear. And a lot of what I'm going to say today comes from from some of those sermons. But Tim Keller, who's a pastor in New York, says this. When God moves, we as his people have only two options. When God moves, we as God's people have only two options. We must obey or we must disobey. Those are our two options. He says he has the problem with that. Obedience is difficult. Disobedience is lethal. We have two choices, obey or disobey. The problem is, obedience is hard. Disobedience is lethal. I can remember growing up in the 70s and, and God doing something through his spirit in, in the Baptist world that I was growing up in, in that time. And, and I remember very clearly two particular churches, and, and, and I only discovered this as I became older and got involved with those two churches. But as God did this amazing thing, 
I, I, I can remember one church in particular that, that there was a great deal of fear about what was going to happen. And the church took a decision to forbid the congregation to talk about that particular aspect of theology. They just, we will not talk about it because it's going to destroy our church. We're going to argue with each other. We're going to fight. And then I remember another church that, that said, no, we believe God is moving. And so we, we're going to go with it. And we're going to begin to do things that Baptist churches didn't normally do before. And they got a lot of criticism and their pastor went through an enormously difficult time. You, you know what's happened to those two churches, don't you? That first one, it doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't exist. When, when they said, you, we can't talk about this thing because it's going to destroy us, a whole lot of the congregation left and, and started a new church somewhere else. That church is still thriving. That original church a few years later had to amalgamate with another church. That other church that said we're going to go is one of the biggest churches in our union to this day. You see, because when God moves, we have two choices. We can obey or we can disobey. Obedience is hard. Disobedience is lethal. I want to ask Debs to come up. Debbie was on a, on a retreat a few weeks ago, a prayer retreat, and God gave her a picture, and, and I wanted to share it with us. Awesome. Good morning, everyone. So often when I go on a prayer retreat, I go to Makaranga. It's one of my favorite places um, up in Cluth. And um, I actually went, it was, it was about three weeks ago. It was just after those very heavy rains. Do you remember that? The floods. And um, I didn't really think about that. I didn't put two and two together. So I didn't realize I would be squelching through mud and have nowhere to sit that was dry um, going through the gardens. But um, I really felt as I was walking around, I, I was just saying, God, won't you just speak to me about our church? And, um, and I, I really felt that God did speak to me about our church. Um, you know, it's, it's hectic when there's no rain. I mean, anyone who lives in a, through a drought will attest to that. It's hectic when there's no rain. But it's also hectic when there's a lot of rain. And similarly, I feel it's hectic when God does not move. It's, it's awful. It's hectic when God does not move. But it's also hectic when he moves a lot. And perhaps that's the case with our church at the moment, that um, God is moving us, and God is transforming us, and God is shifting us. And in that process, there's a lot of stuff that's coming out. Like I saw at Makaranga, there was a lot of water damage, and there was a lot of debris and residue and, and things that have been uprooted, massive trees even that had been uprooted, um, dead things that were being washed out, and they were all coming into, into the rivers. And then also this beautiful new life. And just a, just a question for us, what do, we, what do we do with this? There's so many questions. What things have been uprooted that need, to be, that need to remain uprooted and perhaps even be thrown away? What things need to be replanted? What needs to be let go of? What needs to be shifted? Where do we need to restore? And where do we need to replant? Um, and just three specifics that I felt God kind of just land in my heart. Firstly, that um, at this time, when I, every time I sat still, I was attacked by mozzies, every time. So, And just a, a real picture of, of the fact that this is not a time to be stagnant. This is not a time to stay still. It's a time to move with God. Because at, at this time, at the time of flood, more than normal, 
Stagnancy breeds disease. And so it's a time for us to move. It's a time for us to pray and to seek and to do and to listen and to obey. It's not a time for us to stand still. Secondly, there was, as I was walking around, there were these these gardeners who, shame, all these tiny little seedlings, um, it just there was just mud all over the place. And they were replanting. Some were kind of tossed to the side, and they were picking up the old ones and replanting each little one. I actually said to them, sure, guys, how long have you been at this? And it, you, you could see they were like... <laughs> These little seeds, you know, um, and then there were some new ones that they were planting and God very, very clearly dropped into my heart. Every person who wants to be at Westall Baptist, we need to take the time to plant them or to replant them as, as individuals. It's just that thing about God's heart for the one, every single person who wants to be here. For some people, finding change difficult, and that's been the way that they've been uprooted, to replant each one. For new people that are coming into our church, to plant each one. But also, it's a time where some people might need to be planted elsewhere, and that's okay. We need, to let, we need to let them be planted where God wants to plant them. And so that was the second thing. And then the last thing, um, you know, just those people, I don't know who looks after Makaranga, but there's definitely people who are kind of driving around the perimeter and walking around and seeing what needs to happen and, and uh, you know, looking at where, you know, all the different things and we need to fix that and we need to do that. And I really felt like our leadership are doing that. Our leadership are really asking God, where are you taking us? What does transformation look like? What is next? What needs to happen? Where we're getting a grip of the colors and the growth all over the place, as well as the difficult changes that are uprooting and upsetting. And then there's other people who are focused on more like one little section of the garden, and they're doing their job in one little section. It's our job to keep this garden beautiful. I think we all need to be asking God, what's, what's my role in it? The replanting of each individual, that's all of our roles. Some of us are walking around and looking at what, you know, the big picture. Some of us will be focused in a tiny little, little flower bed. But what is your place in this thing? God's been leading us towards transformation. And as John said, it's, it can be uncomfortable. It can be scary. It can be a lot of work. But God has reminded me that it's better. It's God's way, it's God's thing, it's God's timing, and I don't know about you, but I want to do my part in that. And so that's what I feel God shared with us as a church. Thanks, Debs. So so you've heard me say what, what I think. You've heard Debbie say what she believed God was saying to her. What does God say? When God comes to us as his people and says, I'm moving, but fear not. What does God's word have to say about how we must respond to that? I think one of the leading experts in scripture about God moving in somebody's life is King David. God always seemed to be doing something with that guy. And sometimes God was moving in ways that were glorious and wonderful and joyful. And sometimes God moved in ways that had David in the pit. Where he had to examine his own life deeply and go, I am a wicked, wicked person. Other times he's saying, I'm the most blessed person that ever lived. And so he's an expert. 
And I, and I, and I want to turn to one of his psalms to help us as a church understand what God is saying to us and how we can fear not when God moves. This particular passage comes from near the end of David's life. It's, it's when his son Absalom has rebelled against him and tried to steal the kingdom from him. So this is a big movement of God, and it's a very scary movement of God. And David has had to flee from Jerusalem, and, and, and the world feels like it's crashing down around him, but he knows God is moving. And so he writes this poem about God's movement. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Yo, what? I, I love the Psalms. I, I love the Psalms because they don't pretend. There's some... Hectic stuff there. But what does this teach us? What tools does, does David have to offer us from God's word? The last two weeks I've loved. I've loved the tools that we've been given over the last two weeks about dealing with fear. That, that, that idea that Richard gave us about anchor verses. And anchor songs, and, and, and I've been thinking about the ones that I go back to. This, this is one of those. When I'm, when I'm afraid, I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't battle to go to sleep. I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and that, oh, Lord, you grant me sleep. That, this verse, again and again, and, and it's been one of my anchor things. It's beautiful. But those other tools of having community to, work, to go with, having God's word, all of those tools. And so what tools does this passage give us? Well, the first thing, and I think dealing with our fear, is that we have to be honest. I love how honest Psalms are. I mean, you know, Lord, no, no, I mean, everybody's against me. Thousands of them. Now, he may be wrong, but that's how he's feeling. That's how he's feeling. He's, he's so angry, he even wants God to punch the teeth out of his enemies. <laughs> he's just being honest. He's wrong, but he's honest. Fuck, when we're afraid, God will not deal with our fear if we, if we, if we hide it. We, we must just be honest, God, this is how I'm feeling right now. Over the last three or four weeks, I've had such great conversations with people in our church who've come to me and said, John, I'm not feeling great about what's happening in the life of our church right now. And, and, and we've had these amazing conversations, and, and they've, they've helped me and they've helped those people because they were honest. And we have to be prepared to say to God, God, this is how I'm feeling. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. But we mustn't just be honest about how we're feeling. We also need to remind ourselves to be honest about who God really is. Sometimes in our feelings we forget. 
And David keeps saying things about himself, and then he says things about God that maybe he's not feeling, but he knows are true. Sometimes we feel forsaken. Jesus even said it, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But, but God says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. We have to be honest about the things we know about God when the things we feel about God are, are contradicting each other. We have to be honest. Second thing that David says about dealing with the fear of when God moves is that we have to follow God's leading. We have to follow God's leading. Psalm 3 verse 3, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. That's quite an interesting phrase that, you know, when we think of shields, we think of the two kinds of shields, that little one that you use for hand-to-hand, you know, combat, when you're just fighting one person, it's the little thing, you know, you hit them with a sword or you try and then shield, that kind. But that's not a shield around you. The shield around you is something that soldiers using use when they're advancing against the enemy. When they are moving forward, then when they are attacking a fortress, they, that, that classic Roman one, that shield. A, soul, a commander doesn't tell his soldiers to have a shield around them when he's wanting them to have one-on-one combat. He says it when he wants them to move forward and attack an enemy. And so David is saying, Lord, you are a shield around me. When I move, when I go into battle, when I face Absalom, when I face your enemies, you you protect me, you're all around me. Here's the problem. If we stand still, the shield keeps moving. And that very thing that we are afraid of, that movement forward, ends up exposing us because we aren't where God wants us to be. And so our inertia actually exposes us to danger rather than us moving forward into dangerous territory. But we're with God because he is a shield around us. I don't know what to say about how you do this other than you put one foot in front of the other. You know what? It's, It's like crossing that flip and suspension bridge. I just can't. But if I'm ever going to, I'm just going to have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. To obey God, that's sometimes what you have to do, even when you're afraid. God is a shield around us. Remember on the first Sunday when we spoke about fear not? We reminded ourselves of that picture that God has for us, of that ultimate place. Where his kingdom comes and his will is done. That's where God is taking us. And we may need to go through a, a minefield or a, or, a, or, a, or a fortress or, or another kind of battlefield, but, but that's where God's shield is moving. The third thing that David reminds us about, about dealing with fear when, when God moves is he says we must always remember to pursue the right glory. To pursue the right glory. Psalm 3 verse 3. You Lord are my glory and the lifter of my head. This is one of the issues that David had a lot of trouble with. David often got into trouble with God when he tried to self-promote. 
When he, when he, when, when he, when he kind of began to steal the glory from God. And, and it, it happens to all of us. It, it especially happens to us when we're successful. That, that very slowly we erode our wanting to give God's glory and we take it to ourselves. Five years ago, God reminded this church to return to their first love. Because why? We, we kind of begun to think our success is about us. David gets into that trouble again and again. I mean, he, if he, he's the guy that women used to write songs about that said, hey, you know, Saul has killed a thousand, but David has killed tens of thousands. And it's so easy to think what we like or what we want, or what feels glorious to us, may not be God's glory. And so we must ensure that we are always seeking God's glory. The Lord, you are my glory. We need to remind ourselves again and again that we are not who we are because of who we are. We are who we are because of who God is every single time. I'm not sure, I I do know how to tell you to to do this. Worship often. Speak honestly to other people about God. Do it. Because because that will remind us that that he is great and we are not. That he is good and we are not. And we just need to keep these conversations going all the time. Number three, David says, I have to trust the deliverer. Psalm 3 verse 8. From the Lord comes deliverance. Guys, David, you read some of his stories. You know, he, he, he killed Goliath, for goodness sake. He killed lions. He protected his flock from bears. You know, the girls wrote songs about him killing tens of... He was immensely strong. Apparently, he was good-looking. He had a very charismatic personality. He was a fantastic leader. Fantastic. But he had to remind himself again and again and again that deliverance doesn't come from me. It comes from God. There's a point in Israel's history where, where I think it's David counts his army and God punishes him for it. Such a weird passage of scripture. Why is God doing that? Well, in that particular instance, he's doing it because he's saying, you know what you're busy doing? You're busy figuring out how powerful you are. And, and, and your army is not going to deliver you. I am going to deliver you. Jesus says it. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Even Jesus acknowledges God himself, that only God is the deliverer. Lastly, the psalm reminds us that in overcoming the fear of when God moves, we must move with God's people. Psalm 3 verse 8, may your blessings be on your People, we do not travel this journey alone. When you give your life to Jesus, you immediately become part of the church. Whether the church is terrible or not, 
Whether the, the local church is great or not, it doesn't matter. You become part of the church, whether you want to or not. That's what happens. You are part of God's people. And David reminds himself and us that when God's, God moves, it's not about one of us. It's about all of us, which is why we talk so much about be in conversations with other people, be in a small group, be with people that are, are on this journey with you again and again and again and again. So let me remind you how we can do this. All of those things that David tells us remind us that we must learn truth and we must live it. We must know that that God is great and we are not. We must know the truth that God never changes. God does not change. But we must also know the truth that God keeps doing new things. And we must know those truths and we must live it. The truths about God, the truths about ourselves, and the truths about our world. And we do that by reading God's word, by praying, by being in community with other people, by worshiping together. We learn the truths about God's word and we live it. We must, can do these things as we travel with companions, as we come here to worship together, as we, as we pray together as we grapple through scripture together, as we encounter one another, we learn that God's blessing rests on his people. We stay close. David says, I overcome fear when I'm close to God, when I'm close to my feelings and my heart and my thoughts and my head. I overcome fear when I'm close to the community that God has given me to travel with. Closeness overcomes fear. Why? Because love, perfect, overcomes fear. Folks, Tim Keller's right. Obedience is hard, but disobedience is lethal. And so we must fear not. We must fear not when God moves We must follow him. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your indescribable gift of moving. Your indescribable gift of of taking people and using them to change the world and influence others and influence history and be transformed from one degree of glory to another. Lord, thank you that we know that when we're afraid, you will never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, as we journey with you, may we be a people full of joy, but also full of fear the right kind of fear, the fear of you that leads us to obedience and blessing and hope and transformation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.